Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow. Don't Stop. It'll soon be here. Edition. As Dave Lapham and I are joined by Bengals.com editor Jeff Hobson to peer into the future as we take a stab at forecasting what the Bengals will do in free agency and the draft. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Refresh the game. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean. It's the greatest thing since Jenga. Like many families, we've played several board games in our house during the pandemic. We went through a Yahtzee phase and a Clue phase. There's been Monopoly and Masterpiece. But most recently, the pick has been Jenga. If you're not familiar with it, players take turns removing a wooden block from a tower constructed of 54 of them. Each block removed is then placed back on top of the tower, creating a progressively more unstable structure. The game ends when the tower tumbles, and the winner is the last person to remove and place a block successfully. It's not rocket science. It's recommended for ages 6 and up. But it's good old-fashioned fun. However, I do extend this warning. Don't play 14-year-old Sam Horde for money. The kid's a Jenga savant. Now, let's get to football. We are 40 days away from the start of NFL free agency and 83 days away from the NFL draft. Who should the Bengals sign and who should they pick? I discussed those topics and answered your Twitter questions this week with my broadcast partner Dave Lapham and Bengals.com editor Jeff Butch Hobson. Today we are going to play general manager for a day. I'm sure Mike Brown, Duke Tobin, and Zach Taylor will appreciate the wisdom that comes from this conversation. Our first category today is free agency. According to OverTheCap.com, the Bengals rank sixth in cap space they could create some more uh, by cutting some veterans like uh, geno atkins or bobby hart etc let's start with high priced free agents what expensive free agent each of us would sign if given the opportunity lap i am going to give you the floor first i'd probably uh spend my my big dollars on uh joe tooney or brandon sheriff uh, you know, one of those one of those offensive linemen that uh, could be a bell cow. You know, everybody talks about how guards, you know, aren't uh, aren't that important. Well, in today's NFL, they've become more and more important. You know, they are important in the run game, and boy, everybody talks about uh, pressure in a quarterback's face. And the depth of the pocket is determined by the play of the guards in center up front. So, I think the guards are taking a, a bigger and bigger role. I mean, everybody's talking about will. Uh, you know, will the Kansas City Chiefs, will will their big defensive lineman and interior defensive lineman get Tom Brady off his spot? Well, you know, that, that's going to be a key factor in the football game. And, and how did how did Joe Burrow's injury occur? It occurred with a, with a guard being bull rushed, you know, in a game against uh, the Washington football team. So, um, you know, I, I just think that those guys are proven guys. Uh, they're, they're both 28 years old. It's not like they're, you know, they're, they're through playing. They're in the prime of their career. 
I'm sure it'd be a it'll be a bidding war. It'd be a big dollar, but it would knock uh, it would knock one of the big needs off. And again, to me, it it, it starts up front. Um, as great as both these football teams are that are playing in the Super Bowl, and as, as great as the two quarterbacks are, everybody's talking about you know will Kansas City Chiefs offensive line that's so beaten up be able to give Mahomes enough time to operate? Will the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive line be able to handle a four-man rush you know against uh against tom brady um the five sacks that uh, that the chiefs got in the in the game that they played were all on four-man rushes you know against tampa bay so it, it all comes down to when push comes to shove when the rubber meets the road it's all about do the guys up front you know give uh give their respective teams enough time to operate or no opportunity to operate on the flip side of it i mean it's, uh, you know, which, which offense doesn't need adjustments to help the offensive line and to, and to execute the game plan. And then which defense, um, you know, will blitz because they want to, not because they have to. And I think that's, that always determines football games, no matter how big or how small, and even it's going to determine the Super Bowl. So this just in, the former guard gives big bucks to a guard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, hard to argue with either of those guys although I think Scherf is 29 lap but your point is the same they're both under 30 you're not right. getting a guy uh, on the, the back nine so to speak so two still in their prime guards Brandon Scherf and Joe Tooney you would spend your bucks on either one of those two guys how about you Butch um, I uh, let's see now we get to do uh, later we can come back with a mid signing and a lower tier signing right yeah I have planned one expensive guy and one less expensive guy basically so you could divvy up your dollars pretty much any way you want but I'm thinking each of us is going to pick one of the expensive guys I'm going to stay home and I'm either going to sign Carl Lawson or uh, Will Jackson and uh, given that they're depending on what list you look at they're probably the top free agents at their position. So I tip my hat to Duke Tobin and the scouts and uh, they were good enough to be number one on, you know, be big on that list. Let's get one of them back. Maybe both, uh, you know, Lawson, we're talking maybe four years, 50 mil or something, maybe will a little bit more than that. Uh, but uh, that would be, uh, I guess you can't keep both of them. I, I, I may have to, go back and get a mid-tier corner or a rusher. But uh, yeah, I think I'd say, and I hear what Lap is saying, yeah. uh, but I'm, and, and he's, and he's right. And, uh, but I'm banking on the, the uh, we already had the big free agent signing there with Frank Pollock. I'm kind of thinking in my own mind for the purposes of this butch, that the Bengals could sign one of those guys and then another expensive guy. I could be wrong on that. Yeah. I'm being a little conservative because yep. I know the cap is uh, the cap is going down. Yep. So I know last year they spent what they spent two big they spent on two big guys, right? Waynes and Reader. So um, I'd have to go for another big guy. I got, I still don't think I'd go for the guard though. I think I'd go for uh, I think I think I'd go for one. I think I'd go for another corner probably. Or maybe the answer for you is signing the two Bengals as yeah. your two high priced guys, Jackson and Lawson. Probably, a, probably that's probably going to be a tough number. That's probably going to be a tough number though. I probably, and, and do they want to come back? That's the other, yeah. that's the other thing too. But uh, yeah, I think, uh, like I said, I'm banking on them. Hopefully Pollock 
concern can turn some of these guys into Joe Tooney, you know. And um, I think back to 2018, Bowling and Redmond were his gads, I think, and they uh, they ran the ball pretty good, won five at a first, you know, four of the first five, whatever happened before it all went to hell. You know, the offense looked pretty good at that point when Frank was when Frank uh, had the line. So hopefully, some of his magic, we can save money and not have to not have to delve into the into the guard thing. If I was going to pay a guard, it'd be Lap. Yeah, <laughs> Lap would be fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we we will circle back eventually to Jackson and Lawson for me and Lap. But I will answer this question first before we move on uh, to another one. You know, I thought long and hard about the tackles. Uh, Trent Williams is out there a little bit older than you'd like. He's 33, but he's a great player. A lot of people have mentioned Taylor Moten of the Carolina Panthers. He's in his prime 27 years old. Uh, he's going to be an expensive free agent. No question about it, but I'm with you lap. I'm thinking sign a guard draft a tackle. It sounds yeah. like there are a lot of good tackles in this draft. Yeah. Obviously at the top, you've got Panay Sewell. Uh, maybe he will be there at five. Uh, but I, I like the notion of signing Scherf in particular. I think of those two guys, Tooney or Scherf, people seem to have uh, kind of pinpointed Tooney because he's from the Cincinnati area. He's from right. Dayton and maybe somehow that, you know, that'll make him want to play here. But when it comes to a high priced free agent, it's always going to come down to dollars and cents. I would rather spend that kind of money on Scherf because I think over the course of his career, He's been a great player, whereas Tooney has been really, really good. But I think Scherf is great. I, if I'm going to plop down that kind of money, I want Scherf. And, you know, the thing that uh, solidified the Scherf thing with me is he played hurt this year, and he was, he was hurt pretty badly. He was dragging a leg around, and he never missed a snap. I mean, he's one of those guys, rub some dirt on it, get back out there. You know, a, a guy like him just sets the whole – the whole tone you know I mean you have a guy that's the bell cow he sets the attitude you know the the whole nine yards he lifts the whole boat kind of thing so I, I you know I think those are the kind of guys uh potentially that could make a difference and I I agree with Butch I think Pollock is going to make a huge difference um and I'm not sure if I you know if I'm Frank Pollock I I kind of uh I kind of look at the at the at the tape of the current players and um to me Jonah, his best position may be center. I'm going to throw that out there. Jonah Williams may be the best center they have potentially. I mean, I would play musical chairs if need be. If I'm evaluating the talent that the Bengals have up front now, and uh, you know the, the now my center's got an ACL, and how much, how quickly he'd be able to return, and how effective. If I had to go a plan B, I may, I may think about even moving Jonah if I, depending on what I get in the draft at the tackle position. Uh, potentially and or move other guys out to tackle. I mean, I, I, I think, I don't think anything's a given right now. If I'm Frank Pollock, man, I'm looking at everything and anything. And I'm, I'm going to try to get the five best guys out on the football field, irrespective of position, you know, and then figure out the position, you know, after the fact, but my five best players are going to be on that damn football field. So Jonah Williams at center Eight people listening to this podcast in their car just drove, drove off the road uh, with that even being mentioned. Let's move on to a more bargain type free agent, somebody who would be in the mid range or even at the, the lower part of the free agency scale. Butch, I'll, I'll let you bat lead off on this one. 
Mid-tier guy, maybe a defensive tackle, Shelby Harris uh, from Denver. Uh, young guy, you know, hopefully one of these guys, you know, they love to get ascending guys, guys on a second contract, 26, 27 years old. Harris fits that. Just looking at the pro football focus stuff, he's been the last couple of years, he's been one of the top pass rushers uh, out of that, out, out of the three technique. And he's, um, uh, and he's also been very good against the run. He hasn't played, he's played only like 500 snaps, I guess, the last couple of years. But uh, they they need help. This gets back to uh, why I wouldn't probably go for the guard. I would spend as much money as I can on defense because, and this is bad because the last thing I'm thinking about is the Baltimore game. And I probably shouldn't do that. But, uh, you know, I walk around in a catatonic state and I just can only think defense. But of course, they were banged up. You know, I mean, obviously, that was not the, you know, that was not what they're, that, what they wanted to send out there. But still, uh, but I think Shelby Harris might be a nice little kind of economic pickup and uh, maybe just a little bit. The, a guy who began his career here would love to see him back. Cornerback Troy Hill. He's been a Remember, good Ram. Yep. Nice career with the Rams. I yep. think he'd probably be a pretty good number two or number uh, three corner, particularly uh, you don't know what they're going to do with Mackenzie Alexander. I don't think he'll be back. Um, Hill can play in the slot and uh, he can play on the outside too. All right, Lap. Do you have a uh, a bargain free agent in mind? To me, I think uh, I think look what Butch is talking about is is another need in my mind. I think offensive lines their primary need, and I think edge an edge rush guy, a special edge rusher that everyone fears. You know that can be developed into something like that. You know you're not going to be able to. I, I think it's going to be tough to to go out and get in the in the mix with with uh, some guys that are out there. I mean, guys like uh, Leonard Floyd from the Rams is out there. Justin Houston, he's out there. Alden Smith has got so much baggage, but watching him, man, he still throws people around. Yeah. 31 years old, but with the addiction issues and things like that, Judon Dupree. I mean, it, it's going to take money to sign these guys, you know. I, any, any one of those guys would love to get. Um, you know, some of them, it, you'd make somebody in the division – less effective by signing one of their guys potentially. And that always has some great, you know, value to it. But I'm thinking a guy maybe like, you know, the next level guy that might not be as expensive, but was a first round pick coming in that maybe you could develop a little bit is Tack McKinley, you know, from the Las Vegas Raiders, he's out there, you know, he's only 25 years old, you know, and, and, and you know, coming out of UCLA, he was a first round pick. He had a big potential, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, maybe they can develop him a little bit. Maybe he can be a guy, you know, coming off the edge that uh, it wouldn't wouldn't cost huge dollars to go get in, in terms of others that are on that list that I just talked about that are, are going to be very expensive, obviously. And that's why I'm not sure. I'm not sure if, uh, you know, the money to pay the guard would be as much as it would be to pay an edge rush guy, obviously, or even the next level, level edge, edge rush guy. I don't know what the what those economies are going to be. Um, but um, maybe, maybe a guy like that, you know, might fit, but the corner, the corner idea is a good one too. Um, you know, Hilton's out there from the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm not sure Hilton would be, you know, super expensive. Um, his style, he's a, he's a great blitzer. You know, that's a big thing that Pittsburgh utilizes him in it, it. Again, it has to be the right fit for the scheme you run as opposed to what Pittsburgh's asking them to do. You have to consider all that, take all that into account. And evaluate all that but man 
through the draft and free agency, if I can find or try to help my edge rush, you know, like Lawson, like Butch was talking about earlier, uh, you know, Lawson or Jackson, if it comes down to one of those two, I'm going Lawson. Yeah. You know, I, I, I can't, he's the only modicum edge rush guy they had. They, I, in my mind, you can't lose that guy, sign him. And if you can find something else, uh, you know, in, uh, in free agency, that's not all that expensive. Yeah. And, and as well as the draft, offensive line, edge rush are two massive needs in my mind. And then corner and other things come in later. Tack McKinley was here for about five minutes before flunking the physical, but uh, he'll be healthy in terms uh, in time for next year. So theoretically, that could be possible. I was going to save Jackson or Lawson if you could only sign one of them for the next topic. But let's delve into that, and then I'll kind of circle back and give my a bargain basement free agent. So Lap says, if you could only sign one, Lawson or Jackson, his guy is Lawson. My guy would also be Lawson. I, I just think that he's ascending. The need is greater. I mean, they were the the last place sack team in the NFL. So I'd love to have them both back. If I've got to choose one or the other, I'm going Carl. How about you, Butch? Yeah, no, I agree with Lap. He's exactly right. Uh, you got to keep Lawson and maybe and maybe skim a guy, a McKinley. Maybe even I don't know, Lap. What do you think about Bud Dupree? Bud Dupree's out there. Does he fit? Oh, I mean, yeah, I, I mentioned, you know, Bud Dupree, Judon. I think those guys are not going to be yeah. bargain basement. I think they're going to yeah. get money. Yeah. I think, I think those guys are going to command some dollars. I, you know, I mean, uh, Leonard Floyd, like I said, Leonard Floyd, Judon, Dupree. In a, in a corner, in a, you know, I mean, in a corner, count Trey Waynes. There's your, there's your free agent corner. But if you get, if you count him as your corner, you lose Will Jackson, you're even. And then you lose Mackenzie Alexander, you're down two. Now, all of a sudden, you know, you, you have to have three right. and you, you better have four. And now you're only talking one. <laughs> yeah, well, it's easy to get the But like you said, it's easy to get the corner than the edge guy. I think so. And, and, yeah. and if I'm if I'm uh, if I'm going to have a, a, a special if I have a special edge rusher that everybody has to uh, account for and, and fears a little bit. And it's you don't you don't need as great a cover guy. I mean, you know, it's easier to easier to take care of the back end of the front end is getting taken care of on a more regular basis and getting the quarterback off the spot and all those things. I, you know, plus the fact, like you guys said, Carl Loss is 25 years old. I mean, you know, he's, he's in, he hasn't even started his prime yet. He's definitely ascending. The thing about him, I wish he had a little more length. That's the only negative I have on him. He's explosive. He has an unbelievable first step get off. You know, he's, he's powerful. Just not, you know, if he had, if he had Sam Hubbard's length, uh, you know, you'd have something really, really unique, but that he doesn't have that. If, if I'm doing pluses and minuses, that's the only minus in, in the Carl Lawson evaluation would be lack of length. Do we assume that Gino will be cut? Do you think that that's likely, Butch? I don't know. I, I have a hard feel for that. I don't know. I just, uh, just, it was, it's just weird. It, it just, it was a weird year with him. You know, he, he, he he had one he's back, would it have to be negotiated down from $9 million, whatever he's due to make? Yeah, like I said, that's, I think that's yet to play out. I, uh, the other weird thing, too, is uh, they're not going to know what the cap is until apparently the day free agency starts. So I would think that would be a factor. That would be a factor, too. But I would be hard for me to think they're going to have him at the same number. Yeah, I mean, I, I, would, I would think there'd be a haircut there. You know, it's... Uh... It was, uh, it was, it was, 
weird is a good way. Strange is a good way to describe it. I mean, it was, it was a different, different year for Gino. Um, to get hurt the way he got hurt, warming up for a, a scrimmage. You know, you know, but I tip my hat to the guy because I think he could have. I think he could have had surgery, but he tried. I think he tried to. I think he tried to grind it out. You know. And, uh, well, I think I think they you try to what he had. You try to avoid surgery if you can. Yeah. But he could have had surgery, but you want to try to avoid. You always and you don't want to go into the knife unless you really have to. And they and he didn't want to and yeah. wanted to try to rehab it. And they were they were good with that. Um, and he and. and and in, in so doing, wearing that big harness and stuff, he was so restricted. You know, he he was less than a one arm paper hanger out there. I mean, it's yeah. hard to play. It's hard to play in the pits with one one arm, and everybody else has got two good ones. I don't care how talented you are, man. That's that's almost impossible. So I mean, if he's healthy, that's something to, I guess consider. You know, I, I, hey, if he's healthy and he's willing to come back at you know a third of the price, he's due to make nine point five mil next year. If he would come back for three million, something like that, uh, I don't know that you're going to find a, a free agent pass rusher on the interior that's going to be much better than him, assuming that he's close to healthy, even though you know he's going to be old and and toward the tail end of his career. So if he would come back at a, a much lower price, I'd have no problem with that. You know, and, and watching him in training camp before the injury, I, I thought he was poised to have a good year. I mean, he was he was back to making a lot of noise in pass rush drill. Nobody wanted to go against Geno one on one. He was he was destroying people, you know. And uh, he was uh, the year before he it wasn't like that. And but last year's training camp it was. So it's like ah, Geno's on the bounce back. And then he gets the damn injury, you know. And it's not like uh, you know he just was out in the street like we said. He, he practiced. He did everything he could and played. At least he stayed. He stayed with it, and he stayed with it physically and mentally to the best of his ability. Um, and I think too, Gino seems to be the kind of guy that uh, it's a two-way street. I think you know the Bengals have obviously they appreciate what he's done and the level he's played at, and they've compensated him accordingly. And I think he feels gratitude about it. And I think in his mind, he probably like, I own one. You know, if I, if I can do it. I want, it, I want it to be in Cincinnati. They've been good to me. They've taken care of me. And, um, you know, I'd like, to, I'd like to reciprocate a little bit. I mean, I think, I think he's, he's cut from that cloth a little bit. He seems to be. Plus, if he stayed in Cincinnati at a reduced figure, he would not have to meet with the media after signing as a free agent with a new team, which we know Gino wants to avoid, right? <laughs> <laughs> the other thing about Gino, too, if the Bengals – don't bring him back at 9.5 million, which seems unlikely to me. No other team is going to give him a huge amount at his age coming off his injury with his level of play the last couple of years. It's not like he's going to get 9.5 from another team. Yeah. My, that's my whole thing is when you guys in Gino's situation and they're, you know, everybody gets to that stage of their career, even with free agency, you know, teams that make a habit of, compensating somebody for a decade of excellence with another team it doesn't it doesn't work out well economically you don't you don't get the bang for the buck you know if whoever signs Gino it'd be ludicrous for them foolhardy for them to pay Gino for the great player he was for multiple Pro Bowls with the Cincinnati Bengals because he's not quite that that guy anymore you know and you, and you have to proceed accordingly so yeah I don't think there's going to be huge dollars out there for Gino I really don't I don't think the league will go there all right, are you guys ready for my bargain free agent? Yes. 
All right. So I've already spent huge money on Brandon Scherf with the uh, few dollars I have left, because I've also re-signed Carl Lawson. I've done very well so far in free agency. With a few- we're, on the same page. we're on the same page, man. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We spent so much time together. That was inevitable, <laughs> Lap. Uh, with the few dollars that I have left, I'm going to go out and get a slot corner, because Mackenzie Alexander is a free agent. Yep. I'm just going to assume that he does not go back. So I've been looking over the list of bargain type slot corners that are free agents. I've got two in mind, Brian Poole from the Jets, 28 years old, had good pro football focus numbers last year. He's a little smaller than you'd like. He's 5'9", uh, but he's performed well in the NFL. So uh, he would be one candidate. If for some reason I can't get him, then I move on to Kwan Williams of the 49ers, 29 years old, another guy who's performed reasonably well as a slot corner in the NFL. I sign one of those two guys for a two or three years, and uh, I've got that position taken care of. I got I got one for you too in that mold, maybe Jason Verrett. I, yeah, I, I think he plays a slot. He no. is a slot corner. He's battled injuries throughout his NFL career, but he stayed healthy this year and had a very good year. Now, I don't know where you'd classify Hilton, but he's out there as well. My worry with Hilton. him, though, Lap, is that yeah. he is he's such a blitzer. Yeah, he is. Except for Jamal Adams of Seattle, there's no defensive back who blitzes better than Hilton. But I, I just don't know if the Bengals, you know, scheme would get that out of him the way that the Steelers do with all of their blitzing. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think you have to be able to extrapolate uh, the player from the schematic and, and say, okay, raw physical abilities other than scheme influence, is he still a guy? Yeah. He's not a great tackler, right? I guess that's the other knock on him. But I thought the one thing McKenzie Alexander did, he can, he can tackle. He will, yes. he, will, he will do that. It was an upset when he didn't get people on the ground. You're right. And I would have no problem bringing him back. <laughs> Uh, I don't know where that possibility stands, but they're going to have to have a slot corner. So whether it's bringing him back or signing one of these other guys, that's uh, obviously a position that they have to get taken care of. Yeah. The one, the one thing we do know is LaShawn Sims, Tony Brown, Jalen Davis. Got to, got to get, got to upgrade from there. Lap is Phillips, uh, is Darius Phillips a slot or an outside guy? In my opinion, he's more of an outside guy, but I think he, he can do either. I, he's got great ball skills. I mean, that's the thing. I think when you have the ball skills that he does, it translates, you know, just yeah. about anything, really. Again, yeah. again, I think a slot corner, by the nature of the position, tackling is a big deal. You know, that's a big and, – and I'm not sure that's his forte. Yeah, he just – he gets nicked, too. I think that's a problem. Right. Yeah, durability, yeah. All right, let's move on to the draft. The Bengals obviously have the fifth overall pick. Lap, who are you selecting or what are you doing at the top of the draft? Well, you know, I, I do think that if, if, uh, if Sewell is there at number five, he just looks to be, even though, you know, he opted out this year, but 6'5", 330 pounds, five flat 40 athletic guy can move got real good balance I just I just think a, a guy like that is uh is potentially one of those generational type players um he has that possibility I I would probably go with the offensive line uh and if, if particularly if he were there if he were not there you know, I might you know I might uh, I might think otherwise um I might even 
I might even decide to trade it back depending on how far back I had to go. And if I still had an offensive lineman or, or somebody, one of these edge rush guys that, you know, that, that could, uh, could make a factor. If I could, if I could trade back and, and, um, and get quitty pay, the rush guy from Michigan, if I could trade back and get him and pick up an extra, you know, um, an extra choice in so doing, I might, I might go that route. If, if he were still, you know, if the problem is you go back, how, is there an offensive line you'd still be happy with? If there's not, is there an edge guy you'd still be happy with or a corner or, you know, what, what your needs are. But if I were had to stay at five and, and Sewell was there, I probably would go with, uh, with Sewell. What do you think, Butch? I guess Sewell would be the guy, but you know, the last time they took a tackle out of Oregon, I know it's different, but uh, didn't work out real well. And I'm not, I mean, um, Jake Fisher, the body type on those two. Yeah. Are, are so different. You know, one, one probably, and did end up playing tight end in the league, yeah. you know, and he was, he was kind of like a blown up to his side. This guy is just a big old raw boned monster. I mean, you know, he's not, it's, I, I think they're so different in terms of, um, you know, the physicality aspect, their, their actual physical structure, you know? Okay. Now, how do they play? Now I know, uh, uh, guys like Obwehi, when they came in here, they're, they're coming out of a seven on seven league. You think he can make that adjustment? You think he can make that adjustment? It's not, uh, it's not, it's not Chuck and Duck up there, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that uh, college football, I think, I think pass protection is, is one of the biggest issues adjusting to the National Football League. You know, a lot of times, and then guy, every everybody that's in these spread offenses and these two point stances, they're not pass protecting and they're not run blocking. That's what and makes me nervous. That just, just that's just what makes me nervous. These guys. Yeah, I, but, but I, I just I just looked at the uh, the power aspect of this guy. You're talking about Frank Pollock turning clay into statues, you know, potentially. I mean, I think this guy has a good chance to under Frank, Frank Pollock's guidance to, you know, to be taught how to play the game at a real high level in the NFL. I really do. Well, you sold me. Okay, I'll go with Sewell. But I wouldn't mind trading back. I kind of I kind of ran through a scenario like this in one of my columns where trade back and maybe and they should have taken Asante Samuel in 2003, whenever Samuel came out, now they can get his son, maybe if they trade back, so they can rectify that wrong. If I'm not mistaken, they took Dennis Weatherby instead of Asante Samuel. So Oops. let's let's get it right, and then and uh, and then we'll do it. You know, if you trade back, um, and that's if you think you know if Frank likes those young tackles, maybe you trade back and you get a Samuel, get the maybe the edge guy from Pitt um weaver yeah maybe 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 somehow pick off the guard from alabama uh you know that, that, that at the top of the second round with the extra pick no jamar chase i think your guy samini's gonna take i think i think samini's guys are gonna take the so take rich samini is the beat reporter who covers the new york jets you talked to him for a mock draft earlier today and he is taking jamar chase with the second pick and Correct. the jets are sticking with sam darnold according to espn's rich samini <laughs> that's right now as of that moment let's let's wait 15 minutes we'll call him back i've heard people say that the jets are going to take Sewell. 
and have two stud tackles yeah. and easier to develop their quarterback, no matter who he's throwing it to, because he'll be on his feet, not on what his if back. You, what if you get the five and there's no chase and there's no Sewell? Well, let's, let's say you get to five and there's no Sewell. Let's start with that. So Panay Sewell goes somewhere in the top four. Now you're picking five and he's gone. At that point, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, or Rashawn Slater, who most people seem to think is the next best tackle in the draft. What do you think under that scenario? I think you can trade back and get Slater. Uh, I, I don't think so. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm sold on Slater as necessarily a top five guy. That might be a little bit of a reach, you know, for me. Um, I got to watch more. But I mean, for me um, to take him five, when guys like you're talking about, if Chase and people like that are on the board, even though my need, you know, is offensive line in my mind, and I and people are gonna be, oh, what the hell are you taking a receiver at five four? Well, you got a quarterback who they made beautiful music together with, uh, you know, at LSU. The numbers were crazy. You know, he opted out this year, obviously, but his number the numbers the year before are nuts. Um, so, yeah, or or you know, is there a is there a rush guy? I, I'm not sure a rush guy you know, is, is worthy of the, of the number five. So at that point, I probably do try to trade back and maybe people that have a, a, a different need than I do. Uh, if I feel like Chase isn't my guy, you know, there are a bunch of people that jump up and probably take them. So yeah, that would be an interesting, uh, interesting dilemma there, I guess. Chase does make me think about uh, Chris Henry, Chad Johnson, and TJ Hushmanzada with T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and, Jamaat Chase, that does get me a little bit nostalgic. I do think this. If the Bengals were to take Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith with the fifth pick in the draft, you are assuming that they have signed a premier free agent offensive lineman and probably a tackle before you could consider a wide receiver at number five. Don't you think they have to have the tackle solved before they can go wide receiver at number five? I, I agree with you. I, I think that is the case. And I, I would not, as a former lineman, I would not be mad if they did get Scherf and they drafted Sewell. You know, that, that, would, not, that would not destroy me either. You know, that, that I, I feel like, man, I've got my offensive line set up for a run for a good long period of time uh, with, with a coach that I, I believe in. feel pretty damn good about that. Now, now i got to find my edge rush guy that, the, that people are going to have to, uh, you know, really fear and consider and and, and everything else that goes along with it. But I mean, yeah, if, if, if you could, if you could address the Bengals tried to address that tackle position with back-to-back -back picks first and second round that year. And they went over. If you can sign Scherf and free agency and draft Sewell. Yeah. And that'd be a, you know, they double down on, a, you know, try to, if you're going to address the position, totally address it. They tried, didn't get it done in the draft. If they get one in free agency, and then get one as a high pick, top five pick in the draft, you'd hope that they might have that bad boy solved for a while. If Sewell is there, I'm taking Sewell. I have never wavered on that. I'm not going to waver on it now. I don't care who they signed before him. To me, he's a chance to be your next Anthony Munoz. You know, who knows? He could flop. A lot of the guys do, but just on paper, everything we've read, everybody we've talked to, people seem to think that he is a virtual shoe in to be a great 10 year offensive tackle in the NFL. If Sewell is there, I'm taking Sewell, but I don't think he's going to be there. 
I, I don't think it's going to be there either, either. And, you know, when you talk about Anthony Munoz, let's think back to that selection. Half the teams in the league didn't even have him on their board. Bill Parcells wanted to draft him and couldn't. The Giants wouldn't let him do it. So, you know, boy, you talk about a risky pick. But Forrest Gregg, when he came back from California after Anthony Munoz had deposited him on his rear end when Forrest Gregg was rushing him in a drill, and he said, we got to take this guy. He felt the force and the size of those big old powerful hands on, the, on his chest that Anthony delivered and the punch and all that. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously there's huge questions about the durability of Anthony Munoz. Man, it worked out. Sewell, I think when you have, when you have physical freaks, you got to roll the dice on it, man. So four teams pick ahead of Cincinnati, Jacksonville, the Jets, Miami, and Atlanta. Uh, we know Jacksonville is going to take Trevor Lawrence. Of those other three, Jets, Dolphins, Falcons, I don't know if one of those teams will take Sewell or if somebody else will trade up to get Sewell. I right. just don't think he's going to be there at number five. So here's what I do. And I haven't wavered on this either, Lap. We've talked about this several times on previous podcasts. I am trading down, and I will tell you the team I'm trading with and what I'm getting in exchange. This other team will be happy to know <laughs> that they're about to make a trade for the fifth pick in the draft. But I am trading down to number 12 with the San Francisco 49ers. I'm looking at the old Jimmy Johnson trade chart. The fifth pick in the draft is worth 1,700 points on the chart. The 49ers uh, pick, 12th overall, is worth 1,200 points on the chart. That's a 500-point difference. Uh -huh. The 49ers' second-round pick, 43rd overall, is worth 470. So that just about evens out the trade chart. Plus, yeah. they've got two fifth-round picks. So the Bengals get their second fifth-round pick, which evens the trade chart. So I'm dropping down seven spots. I'm getting a fairly high second round pick, top half of the second round. I'm getting an end of the fifth round pick, and that's my deal. And then with the 12th pick in the draft, I'm taking the best tackle that's left. Because right. it sounds like Sewell is, at least according to most people, far and away the best. I know some people have started to say that Slater might be just as good or maybe even better. I'm not buying it. Sewell is the guy. But then that next wave, I think there are several guys that are thought to be legitimate top of the first round or middle of the first round type guys. I'm okay with that if I get a high second round pick in addition. Let me ask you this. Uh, let me riddle you this, Batman. Yeah. If Sewell's gone. Yep. And the 49ers say, okay, yeah, we'll make the trade. And then they don't. And you're stuck with the fifth pick. Yeah. You know, at that point, I'm okay with one of those wide receivers. I mean, yeah. I'd love to have Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith. Who wouldn't? I'm certainly right. not going to be unhappy. Uh, but I'm just, if Sewell is there, I want Sewell. Other yep. than that, you know, the Bengals have enough, enough needs that if I could drop down to no lower than 12, and get a decent second-round pick as well, I'm making the move. That was my trade I did. I took Patrick Sertain at 12, Rashad Weaver with the 38th pick, and then at Love it. 43. Right. Okay, you guys, everybody you're talking about, Sewell, Slater, Sertan, the letter S is big in this draft, man. Trading back and getting somebody whose last name starts with the letter S, it's big. <laughs> <laughs>
Not based on that reasoning, but all of those players are definitely good. Devontae Smith, we, did you have him as well? That's another S. That's another S, that's yeah. right. Does Smith kind of worry you? He's a little, he's an undersized yes. speedster taking him in the first round. Is that? Uh... I, I'm just worried about durability. I, I, that's the only thing that concerns me. He's like a 170 pound guy in this league. I mean, I'm sure he'll put on some weight, right. but as great as he is, that is the concern. And he's, and he's, uh, speed is is not it's not like unusually like right. olympic he's got good speed he's so fluid with his routes he's an unbelievable route runner but you know you look at him and you say man he's one good lick away from from being in trouble that's that is that is the thing the, the thing with him i mean his teammate waddle is bigger and faster bigger yeah. and faster guy you know it's a but alabama they utilized him so well you know, but at some point in the NFL, you got to catch the ball in traffic somewhere. And will he be able to survive that? That's that's got to be the big concern with him. All right, gentlemen, are you ready for some questions that were submitted via Twitter? Let's do it. All right, Butch, you sit in on the uh, Hall of Fame meetings. So I will direct Kyle's question to you. How is Willie Anderson's Hall of Fame bid coming along? I think it was a uh, real shot in the arm this last year by getting into the uh, final 25 was huge. And, uh, but I, I was stunned that he didn't make it to the 15 because I had uh, made calls and uh, all the voters I talked to, and I didn't talk to all of them, but I talked to several, they think he's fit to be a finalist and to go into the room and to be talked about. So uh, I think, uh, I'm encouraged by him getting into the 25. I wish he had got into the 15, but I think he will. And I do think uh, once he gets into the room, when I and I want to mean when he gets into the room, he'll, he'll be discussed. Uh, there'll be a presentation of him, and then people will have a back and forth on him. And I think once his case is made crystal clear for a year or two, I think he'll get in. You know, the thing about Willie, and we know this because we've been around him, but all the physical attributes are obviously apparent. You watch it on tape, but the one thing you can't necessarily see on tape, you might be able to, if you really study, you know, a lot of, a lot of situations where, you know, defenses were trying to confuse offensive lines and all that. Willie had a beautiful, has a beautiful football mind. Willie Anderson, man, was, he's, he's sharp as a whip in terms of uh, understanding the game of football, big picture and, you know, normally tackles just kind of tunnel visioned on the defensive end and block the end, block the end, block the end. His eyes were always everywhere, man. Willie Anderson understood the game of football big time. I mean, his mental capacity for the game of football is as good as his physical capacity, man. It was incredible. 13 holding penalties in 13 years, I think. Pretty strong. Amazing. It's because he intimidated the officials. Who was going to throw a flag on Big Willie? Come on. <laughs> you know, the thing, he was so damn good, he didn't have to cheat. You know, he That's knew if he, applied, if he applied his technique, he was going to kick everybody's ass. And he didn't have to grab, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. Trust my technique, as they say. And he trusted his technique and he was so good physically. And his technique was so good. I mean, he was, he's an, he is just an example. Boy, you watch Willie play. All right. Similar questions submitted by KB and by Joe. Would the Bengals even consider tight end Kyle Pitts with a fifth overall pick, what do you think, Lap? Well, I'll tell you, at, at number five, I think that's a little bit rich to consider, you know, the tight end position. I, I mean, you know, Kelsey is 
in my mind, the best route running tight end in the National Football League. You know, they can do all the comparisons they want. You know, who's the biggest weapon? Obviously, the quarterback's a big factor and all that. But just if you put on tape and watch Kelsey run routes compared to other tight ends of his size in the National Football League, it's not even close. <laughs> he's a, he's a, just unbelievable. And, and the tight end can – he's a, a tight end like this kid can be an influencer. There's no question about it. Um, I do think the Bengals offense suffered when C.J. Uzama was lost for the year. I think that's something that kind of gets, gets forgotten a little bit because he was definitely their best threat as a receiver at the tight end position. Um, I think he's going to come back 100%. But taking a tight end at the fifth spot, I don't know. To me, that's just a little bit too rich. Even if this kid's really good, there's no doubt about it. But I'm not sure I'd pull the trigger with the other needs the Bengals have. Yeah, I don't think they would. I don't think they would take him even if they traded back. I agree. Yeah, I don't see it happening. The fifth pick in the draft. I mean, maybe if you're if you trade back and you're somewhere in that 12 to 15 range, and he's somehow still there, maybe you would consider it. But you know, he's more of a receiving tight end than a George Kittle, Rob Gronkowski type that's a great blocker at the line of scrimmage. If you're at number five and you're going to take a receiver, take a receiver, not the best receiving tight end. I mean, I love Kyle Pitts. I'd like to have him, but I'm not taking him fifth overall. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think if the Bengals trade back to, you know, beyond mid, beyond 16, 15, 16, you know, the middle of the first round, I think they start to think about it, but if they traded back to like San Francisco or your deal at 12, I'm not sure I'd take them at 12. You know, it's like, it was, I, I don't know. You'd have to see what else is on the board, but I, I agree with your thought process. If there's a receiver there, take the damn receiver. No doubt. Question from Bengals truth. Does the organization feel Frank Pollock can fix their current offensive line? I think that they uh, have a, a, a strong belief in, in Frank Pollock. Um, Obviously, Joe Mixon does, and that's a that's a big a big factor. And that, that, I guess that's the thing. I know that the offensive linemen that uh, were here when Frank Pollock was here the first time uh, are excited about Frank Pollock's return, uh, and other players that were here when Frank Pollock was here the first time are excited about Frank Pollock's return. And Joe Mixon, obviously, the biggest, uh, most vocal one of those. And I think that's good and unusual in some ways. I can understand the linemen you know, having that kind of a, a feeling for their coach, but for, he, he had an impact on a lot of guys. That speaks a lot about not only Frank Pollock, the offensive line coach, but Frank Pollock, the coach in general and the person, you know, and, and the, you know, the ability to form relationships and get the best out of people and, and to get people to believe in what you're doing and to trust you, you know, and, uh, have confidence in all those things. I, I think I think Frank Pollock is going to do uh, really good things here for the Cincinnati Bengals. I totally believe that. I've never seen a I've never seen a player give a give a touchdown ball to a to a coach on the other team. And the coach on the other team take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, getting back to the question, does the organization think Frank Pollock can fix the current offensive line? He's not going to be asked to fix the current offensive line. They're going to be changes. He's not going to line up with Bobby Hart at right tackle and 
you know, Alex Redman at right guard. I mean, some of these guys could be back. Don't get me wrong, but there are going to be changes and additions as well. And then they are going to be counting on Frank Pollock to maximize whatever group he's given. I agree. And, and like I said before, I, I it would not shock me if Frank shuffles a little bit. It wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't shock me at all. Um, who knows? But um, yeah, Frank, you, you can't, you can't expect Frank to bring a big wand in here, wave the magic wand, and make the players that were playing in the Bengals' offensive line the last couple of years a top five offensive line in the NFL. That dog ain't happened, boy. That dog's been dead a while. Question from Bearcat Joe and a question from Dr. Hooday. These are tied together. What are the chances of bringing A.J. Green back on a one-year deal? That was Bearcat Joe. Dr. Hooday, what are realistic landing spots for AJ green. What do you think, Butch? You know, I, uh, somebody's going to offer him a good deal. I think, I mean, probably not, you know, not, not, uh, uh mega mega, but I'm sure somebody's going to be out there is going to offer him more than a one year deal. I would think, I mean, I'd love to have him back. I mean, I think it would be great. I think it'd be great for the team. It'd be great for the city. It'd be great for borough. You know, is that in the cards? I, I just don't know. You know, I mean, I guess, and where I'm, I'm not sure where his landing spots would be. I mean, you know, probably for 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 a team that's looking for the final piece, something to put him over the top. I, uh, you know, I don't think he'd be going to a team that's rebuilding. But uh, you know, I'd love to see him stay here. As, you know, just to help Joe continue the progression. But uh, you know, that's you know, I'm not uh, you know, that's usually for fables. And I, you know, yeah. I'd love to see it come true though. Yeah, we'd all love to see him back just because we love the guy. But just everything he said and his body language at the end of the year indicated that he's ready to move on. Uh, so I think he will. I could see him going to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Veteran quarterback, Matt Ryan, it's home. Julio Jones is a friend. Uh, they were drafted, you know, basically next to each other back in 2011 in the draft. That one would make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, me and Julio. <laughs> Down at the schoolyard. Down to the schoolyard in 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 Atlanta, that'd be AJ's big uh big deal. I thought the same thing, Dan. You know, it's like uh, go back to the, the the state where you made your name. Um, you know, family down there, the whole nine yards. It'd be a it'd be a graceful graceful uh, way for him to put out on the back nine. Um, I honestly, when but but you were saying. Yeah, you know, boy, you draft a guy like Chase and you get Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. I was hoping it was going to be Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and A.J. Green. Yeah. I was I was totally surprised last year that he did not have a higher win rate ratio. Yeah. He just you know, didn't uh, didn't get open as, as much as I thought he would. You know, in watching him the year before when he didn't play at all, you know, running on grass up at Cleveland. And it just goes to show you that, man, even though you're running – routes, change of direction, all that. It's not football. You know, it's not pads on, guys covering you, getting their hands on you, doing all those kind of things. It, the game is different. Playing the game is different. You can look you can look uh, like a, an All-American in dummy football when it's, you know, shorts and T-shirts. Yeah. But, man, you put the pads on and play football, it's a, it's a different dynamic. So I was, I was very surprised that, you know, that he had so many games that were as non-productive as they were. Watching him... And even at training camp, I thought, yeah, he's still, you know, running some good routes. But it's still, it wasn't, li- it wasn't live football, you know. And uh, that's that's the interesting thing. I and like you said, but somebody might offer him uh, something multi-year for a lot less. 
you wonder if the Bengals would do that just yeah. to presence and, and have them around and, and doing those, the kind of things. Cause I mean, to a man, every player, every coach, nobody, nobody has a negative thing to say about AJ green. It's, it's incredible. That guy is, 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 uh, as is well-liked and, and well-respected a football player. I mean, he is literally in the Anthony Munoz caliber. It's That's like right. nobody yeah. had anything negative to say about Anthony Munoz, not just because of the great player, but the great human being. And that, you know, AJ Green's in that stratosphere, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's very interesting and difficult to, you know, almost, almost think like, yeah, I was saying goodbye to AJ Green. You know, very, very tough. And uh, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if the referee had kept his flag in the pocket yeah. against the charges. Yeah. What, what kind of year would it have been for him? I think it, I think it would have been a, I think, you know, it would have been a, you know what the stories would have been. AJ never left. He took over the game. He won the game. So, it, you know, it was a perfect storm. You kind of, you kind of forget he missed 24 games. My God, that's a lot of time. But then you throw in the fact a rookie quarterback, a pandemic, and uh, a new offense, that's a lot of waves in the ocean, you know? You just kind of underestimated it. In my mind, I underestimated all that. You look at the official throwing the flag on such a great player. You know, a lot of times officials kind of like benefit of the doubt goes to great players. And, and, you know, confidence is a delicate thing. And AJ is one of those guys that really, you know, feeds off confidence and everything. And you wonder how big a blow that was, you know? Yeah, I, I really think it. Uh, he takes everything to heart, man. Yeah, I, I just think I think the whole I think the whole thing. You know, maybe I'm being a half full guy, uh, but I do think I, I do think things change. It'll be interesting to see if he goes elsewhere, if his numbers uh, increase significantly from this year, where he only had 500 some uh, receiving yards. I can think of one person that does have negative things to say about AJ Green. That would be Jalen Ramsey from those haymakers that he threw. Uh, a few years ago when they got into it uh, back when Ramsey was with uh, Jacksonville. John Habar, close second. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that'd be another one. That's a good point. All right. One, one more tw Twitter question, and then we're going to wrap up with the Super Bowl. From Greg, will the Bengals address wide receiver in free agency or the draft? They've got to, right? They're going to add bodies at that position. I, I just, I just, you know, if there's one thing that scares me, it's, free agent veteran wide receivers. It just seems like it's always a tough fit. Now, I guess they'll probably have to go grab a guy, but that always seems to be, you know, I can't, you know, you can count on your fingers how many times it's worked here, you know? I, you but, know, I mean, I guess it has in the past. Well, Greg said, Greg said free agency or the draft. Oh, I, I think the draft, I mean, yeah. clearly. Definitely. Yeah. I think, I think they're definitely going to have to address the position in the, uh, yeah. In the draft free agency, you you are. I mean, you almost wonder um, if if the draft if not if the draft isn't fruitful, and you're looking at free agency. Where does AJ Green stack up in terms of uh, free agency? With you know, is okay. Do we even think about uh, readdressing AJ Green a little differently with respect to guys that might be out there and what kind of options are left? It's kind of that'll be interesting. I think AJ is ready to move on even more than the Bengals are thinking of moving on from AJ. It just sounded to me at the end of the year, like he was ready for a fresh start. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're right, Dan. I think to me, to me, um, he, he, uh, his body language and 
um, the way he addressed everything, it, he seemed tired, you know, it was like yeah. almost time. I agree. Yep. And that's okay. You know, he gave him 10 great years. I hope he goes somewhere else and, and thrives in the, the final stages of his career. All yeah. right, let's move on to Super Bowl Sunday. Buccaneers, Kansas City Chiefs. Who do you got and why? Butch, we'll let you go first. Tampa 31-28 at the gun. Whoa. I think it's going to be – Brady is going to become Eli Manning. I think he's going to uh, he's going to beat the Brady of his era, Mahomes, or the Brady about to uh, ascend. Uh, he's going to beat him. He's going to beat the Brady of this time. He's going to, and he's going to do it with Kansas City. He's going to. Um, uh, they won't be able to. They won't be able to get to him, and he's going to kill him with the blitz. Gronkowski, the MVP, could be Rob Gronkowski or Cameron Brait. The tight end. I think he's going to Come kill on. Cameron Brait might catch a touchdown pass. He is not going to be the Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> I, think, I, I see, I see, uh, and I see Fournette taking the air. I see Fournette and the other back taking the air out of the ball. If so, Cameron Brait is the MVP, I will post this clip on like an endless loop to make <laughs> you look good. Cause that would be one heck of a call. I don't know what the prop bet is for Cameron Brake being the MVP of the Super Bowl, but uh, you could make big money if you, if you put something down and that turned out to be true. So probably right. Which likes the Bucks 31, 28. Did you say? Yes. At the gun, Ryan <laughs> suck up with a field goal or a touchdown pass by Brady to Cameron Brake to win it <laughs> in the final seconds on his home field. All right, lap. How about you? All right, well, Brady is 33-11 and 11 in his playoff career. He's 18-0 and 0 when he has a plus turnover ratio. 18-0. Wow. So 15-11 and 11 when he's even or minus. So, I mean, turnover is going to be big, like they always are. And Brady, man, in the playoffs, 18, 18 times he didn't have a turnover? The football team he led? That's, that's pretty phenomenal. So, you know, I, and I start to think about Tampa Bay because – I talk about the offensive line with Kansas City. They got four different starters. Four new. The only guy that's the normal starter is the center. They have Mike Remmers playing offensive line at the tackle position. The last Super Bowl he played in was with the Carolina Panthers, and he was playing against Von Miller, the Denver Broncos. Von Miller had three sacks, won Super Bowl MVP. Remmers was a turnstile, and to this day, he can't get over how bad he was in that football game. You know, and, and I'm, I'm looking at what will what will JPP and Shaq Barrett, who's uh, Shaq Barrett's a free agent, by the way. What will I, those guys do on the edge? You know, I mean, without Fisher, Mahomes is three and three in games played without Eric Fisher in six games. So you start to think, man, you know, is, is Tampa Bay with Tom Brady? Does that look like you know will will David and White at linebacker negate Kelsey a little bit? In my opinion the best uh, route runner at tight end in football. But then I look at Mahomes and Mahomes in the playoffs, averaging over 10 yards rushing when he scrambles, 17 scrambles in the playoffs in the short playoff history, 177 yards. That's not to mention scrambling around, throwing the ball all over the place. Uh, I just, I look at Patrick Mahomes and I just think, man, the, the dude's a magician. You know, he, 
even when he falls behind by a big number, he'll come back, whether it's Super Bowl or not. You know, I mean, playoff game or not. I just, I just can't, I can't rule that guy out. It's the first time in Super Bowl history the two quarterbacks that won the last two Super Bowl faced Super Bowls prior to the game they're playing and face off against each other. And one's on the back nine, and one's just starting, man. That's the one thing that worries me about my pick, obviously, is Mahomes. Because when Brady got beat, the Giants, the Giant, the Giants went up the middle on him. You know, they they were at his feet. The Giants were at his feet, and I think Tampa can do that. I think Tampa has a good enough front, but Mahomes will just laugh if they're at his feet. He'll move out of the pocket. He'll throw behind his back. He'll throw it under his legs. So while Tampa may play at a great defense, it's not going to matter because Mahomes is so good. He hasn't thrown behind his back yet. That might be the one thing he hasn't done. So we'll look forward to that. So who's your pick, Lap? Well, here, here's the other thing. The defensive tackles for the Kansas City Chiefs, Clark and Jones, good Tampa. They're going to get Brady off his spot. That four-man rush, Spagnolo. The defense coordinator is three and two against Brady. And of course, the big Super Bowl when you're talking about with the Giants, four-man rush, pressure right in Brady's face. Doesn't right. feel pressure in the face. So I'm going 31-30 Mahomes. I'm going a barn burner. And I'm going with uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and Mahomes winning back-to-back Super Bowls. I think All it's right. going to be a hell of a game. So I get to break the tie. This is good. I am picking Kansas City. Here is my rationale. The Chiefs have punted once in two playoff games this year. Patrick Mahomes has nine losses as the starting quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. You know what the opponent has averaged in those nine games? 36 points. Wow. You got to score a ton to beat Patrick Mahomes. I think the Bucs are going to score 27, but it's not going to be enough. 31-27, Kansas City. I also like Andy Reid over Bruce Arians. I think Bruce Arians is a fine coach, but he's not going to the Hall of Fame. Andy Reid is, and uh, I'm going with KC. Left tackle does concern me with Fisher going down in the AFC Championship game. That's the one thing that really scares me, uh, but I will go with Kansas City. And Remmers is going from right to left tackle, and they get a backup to the backup at right tackle. That offensive line is scary. But Mahomes is crazy. But I agree with you. Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, I'll take over over uh, Bruce Arians and Leftwich, Byron Leftwich. I'll take the tandem in terms of points, producing points with Kansas City over the tandem with Tampa Bay. We all have our winning team scoring 31 points, which is interesting. Yeah. And if if Tampa Bay comes out on top, you will have the last last laugh on Sunday night, Butch. I'm looking for Cameron Braid at the parade. <laughs> all right gentlemen this has been fun i i hope our audience enjoyed it as much as i did and uh look uh, look forward to uh laughing as we watch the super bowl on sunday night i hear you thanks for having me on guys i enjoyed it that's going to do it for this week's episode of the bengals booth podcast brought to you by bud light seltzer refresh the game if you haven't done so already please subscribe and if you have a minute give it a rating, or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.